Hey, well, good evening. My name is Caswell Cook, and luckily, I am about 15 pounds lighter than I was in that introduction, so that's a good thing. Uh, tonight, we have a great show for you. Uh, it's actually a little bit different than what we normally do. Instead of it just being the Caswell Cook Show, we're also going to have a co-host tonight as we talk to our guest, Gilbert O'Sullivan, and uh, our co-host is Mike Jackman, so I'm going to bring him on screen. Mike, you are the host of Jackman Radio. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Caswell, for uh, putting this together. And, and uh, this is a great Caswell Cook, Jackman Radio joint venture. And uh, man, been a big fan of Gilbert since college. So this is a real uh, this is a real treat for me. Well, let's not keep him waiting because uh, now where are you right now while we're doing this? I'm in Peterborough, New Hampshire. And I'm in Westerly, Rhode Island. And now we're going to go across the uh, across the pond and we're going to bring on our guest today, the one and only Mr. Gilbert O'Sullivan. Mike and Good to see you. Absolutely. Hey, Gilbert, so, thanks for being here. So I think we should kick it off, and, and you should tell us about uh, the Driven Tour. What's what is what is that coming, and and uh, what inspired you to come back to the United States the next year? Well, I guess that, you know, two years ago, just before pandemic, three years ago, I guess now, we managed to come over uh, for a few days, New York, I think, and Boston, I think. And then pandemic hit, the COVID hit. And then, but last year, we managed to come over last year for several dates in the, the North and well as, as well as the West Coast. And it was just great. And so we have a three-year visa, so we're make it, taking advantage of that. And with a new album that we've released this year, the best promotion we can do, whether it's with you or in Europe or Japan or in the UK and Ireland, is to get out there and, and play to an audience. So that's part of the joy of what we're hoping to bring to you. And I think we have the tour dates that uh, we're going to put up on the screen while we're talking as well. So this will tell you all the different places that Gilbert's going to be, but it's going to be kicking off in an area that's kind of between where Mike and I are broadcasting from, which is uh, Boston City Winery on March 11th, and then heading to New York, and then taking it out to uh, Cleveland and St. Louis, Chicago, Atlanta, Nashville. So you're going to uh, really get around in a short period of time, Gilbert. Yeah, and then we're doing the West Coast. Last year, we did the West Coast at the same time. This time, what we're doing with the West Coast is we're coming back to the UK, and then we're going back to the West Coast in October, I think, San Francisco, Los Angeles, a few other places and stuff. But it, it's just great. I mean, it, it's what I like about the places we're playing at the winery is that the intimacy of the, the room suits myself and my guitar player perfectly. It's up close, personal, just the two of us. So over two hours, you, you get everybody gets to hear the words clearly. Uh, thank God the lyrics are not just... Uh, moon in June and I love you baby there are more <laughs> there's some interesting lyrics that I'm singing so it's it's an enjoyable experience and it's uh, it's just great to be uh, performing for you yeah I saw the I think the announcement Gilbert was in 2019 that you were going to be coming to the city winery in 2020 and yes. of course uh, you know we all know what happened and that that was canceled um, but there was a lot of people who were excited because you I think you really hadn't toured the states since 1980 or 81 or something like that? No, no. Well, no. This, the story, if you want the, the full story, I'll try and make it as brief as possible. After having three million sellers in America with a loan again, clear and get down, my manager, Gordon Mills, who managed Tom Jones and Angela Hunt, they were touring in arenas and stuff. So here, Gordon has had to make a decision for my first tour of America in 73 on the back of the success. Does he support the Moody Blues, who were huge, or does he go out on his own like Tom and Engelberg? Big mistake putting me out. They put me out like Tom and Engelbert. New York was great, Carnegie Hall. But when, they, when we got to the bigger places, they were not selling seats. It was looking bad. So the tour got pulled. 
So before we, I think after so many days, he just got cold, left in the middle of the night. <laughs> and left so that, it was a wonderful disaster because we had a private plane, a great band, we had an orchestra. We all had a great time on the plane singing together. So it was extremely well organized, but it was a disaster. So that's the last time we were here. So the great thing was this time, and, and it's funny when we come out in 2019 to do the few dates before COVID, it was weird coming out to an audience saying, it's great to be here after 40 years. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. So yeah, so we got there. And But here's another thing. In the 90s, we had tried to come over to you, but I had a band. I had a really, I have and had a really good band. Two guitars, bass, drums, keyboards, a lot, two girl singers. But the cost of bringing it to you is, you can imagine, it's extremely expensive. So that just wasn't on. When we reduced it to the two of us, we started off in Europe doing that. Suddenly the door with you opened, obviously, because it was, the expense was, was much similar. So we haven't done it to reduce the cost. We've done it because that's something that we uh, really enjoy doing. I want to play a video um, of, of you singing uh, one of your hits, uh, Get Down, with uh, Sir Elton John. I think Ben's going to put that up on the screen, and then I want to ask you about it uh, after he plays it. So, Ben, if you've got that video, uh, why don't you roll it now? Well, so that's a great clip, and it's of course it's it's out there on YouTube, so the whole world can see it as well. Tell me what that was from and how that came about. Well, because it, it, that was a TV special I did in 1974. I had the, I was going to be doing a, a week at the London Palladium, two shows a night and stuff, and so a TV special was set up for me, and and uh, the director of the TV show was a friend uh, of Elton uh, and Bernie. Bernie. I knew they, they they respected me as a writer, as I respected them. So a meeting was set up. We went to Alton's house, had a nice uh, uh, chat and drink with him, and he agreed to, to come on, and um, that's simple as that. That's really cool. We um, uh, get down. Um, so I'm just going to tell you, Gilbert, personally, uh, so I discovered your music in college. I was, uh, this would have, I would have been a freshman in college the year 2005. And I was driving in my car. I didn't have a cell phone or anything. And this song comes on the radio. And it's got a little bit of a maudlin beginning. And I'm kind of like, wow, what's this? And it's alone again naturally. And so I literally had to pull my car over to the side of the road and just sit there and listen to that song. And uh, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And it, it was it was that song that introduced me to, uh, to you. And uh, at college parties, you know, throughout the years, we would... Uh, it would get to be a certain part of the night and a couple of our friends, we would all look at each other and we would put get down on, on my friend's record player and, you know, start getting everyone uh, singing. And, uh, you know, they're all listening to whatever music is, is current in 2006. And we're like, no, we are putting on get down by Gilbert O'Sullivan. And we're like, mm, 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 get down, get down like a bunch of goofballs. Well, you know, so, interesting thing with get down when it was recorded, it was meant to be a guitar player was meant to be on the record, but he, he for some reason he didn't turn up. So in the studio, 
we had that gap in the middle of the song where there would have been a guitar solo. So instead I just uh, stuck in another verse. And I really like it because without the guitar, you've got Fender Rhodes, Laurie, Laurie uh, Holloway, a musical arranger, orchestra arranger. He's on, the, he's on the Fender and I'm on acoustic piano. So it's just two pianos, bass and drums. And the, the other interesting thing was that at the time that it was recorded, you remember quad? Remember the sound of quad, four speakers? Those days, probably too young to remember. Well, well, Mike's younger than me. I was born yeah. in 74. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was born in 86. Forgive me. You know, quad came into fashion briefly. And the quad was like in a studio, you'd have the speakers in front, the speakers behind. An incredible sound. I always remember that because Get Down was the track that, that we had recorded that, that they were experimenting with this quadraphonic sound. Unbelievable. Yeah. When, when you're uh, deciding to do a tour, um, obviously there's songs that you have to put in. I mean, even McCartney says, look, if I don't sing Hey Jude, they're going to come after me. Um, I mean, unless you're Bob Dylan, uh, who refuses sometimes to sing the hits. But you, you, so you, you're always going to have to sing those, uh, those, those hits that mean so much to people. But how do you pick what else you want to do in the show? I mean, you know, you got to do those three or four, but what, what with the rest of them, how do you decide what you want to play? Never a problem, uh, Caswell, because it's a two-hour show. So... So the good thing is I've been making records since 1970. So, <clears throat> so therefore there's plenty of material there. I think it's 20 odd albums I've, I've released and stuff. So there's plenty of songs there all written by me. And I enjoy the process of working out what to do. So you get all the best known songs, that's essential. And then you'll get album tracks that people often talk to me about when I meet them afterwards. They'll say things like, much as we like Get Down and Alone Again, our favorite track is this particular song from a particular album. That's really nice as you're the person who wrote them. And the third, um, the thing is that that an element of new material. So we play three, three or four songs from the new album. So the mix combined makes for thus far uh, a very interesting show. So I chop around. We change little things here and there, but generally that's that's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, those, the, we all obviously love the hits. Um, it was really great though. I, so I was at the show last year. Uh, Caswell was there as well at the Boston City Winery, and um, it was great to see you play "What's in a Kiss," and. Yeah. Uh, that was really cool to see that one. And Mr. Shanley, phenomenal on guitar. And yeah. like you were saying, just the two of you up there, everything was really crystal clear. And I have I have, I have better seats this year, so I'm really excited. We'll, we'll be back there. Um, that show is going to be Saturday, March 11th, folks, at the Boston City Winery. Um, we have closer seats, so I'm really excited to see how it sounds. But, yeah, the winery, the acoustics in there are, you know, depending on where your table is, are, are pretty good. Yeah. it's And, you know, also when we play New York, Interesting thing, the last time we were there, I wrote this song some years ago called All They Wanted to Say, which was an aspect of 9-11 of that I picked up on. Not the planes hitting the building, but another aspect. So I wrote the song, All They Wanted to Say, and I used to get a lot of email from people, a lot of letters and emails from people in America that said how much they liked it. And so when we were in New York for the very first time <clears throat> on that first visit, we sang it there. And it was actually quite emotional for me to sing that then. When we did New York last time, uh, early last year, we, we didn't have it in there for some reason. And during the show, a couple of people in the audience put their hands up and said, please, Gilbert, will you play all they wanted to say? So I looked at Bill and said, of course we do. So it's just, so now it's permanently in there. We'll, we'll probably do it for you guys when we come to Boston because it has a kind of resonance for me. I write very few songs about real subjects, but when I do pick up on a real subject, it kind of I find it interesting as a lyricist to get into a situation. So I'll be, we'll be uh, performing that for you. 
let's talk about new music that you've been obviously you've been putting out albums as you said for many 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 years uh we do have a video we wanted to play so ben we'll take that next video now which is a, a duet we'll play a little bit of that and then we'll come back and talk to gilbert about the most recent album <laughs> And what have you got? Half of what you thought of as being a lot. In your mind, it's a pleasure dome. You just spell me from the start when you see what it does when it's in your heart. Take love, watch it as it soars. Nothing like it to bring you up. That's the reason it become a... There was our clip but so tell us about tell us about that record you made well with katie yeah i mean that's on the album we've done it we have two duets two really nice duets the other one of course with mick hutton from simply red but uh, we had recorded the track and i'm really happy with the track i said to my producer we thought this would make a good duet so who do we approach so i i mentioned to him that katie tunson had released a record some years ago called suddenly i see a big hit for her in europe and I felt that that was a kind of similar kind of feel. So yeah, so we thought, okay, let's approach Katie. She's based in California, lives in Los Angeles. And, and uh, so we sent her the song, she really loved it. And then we sent her the part, said, sing what you want. And uh, came back. And the nice thing was that, that uh, she came to London afterwards. And that's the first time we met up other than speaking on the phone. And so we spent the day doing the video. And that, that was really nice. I hadn't done a video in about 30 odd years. So it was kind of fun to do that. Yeah, there's great energy in that video. Yeah, she's really nice too. What about, uh, so how did you get involved with uh, Mick from Simply Red? I, I'm a huge fan of Simply Red, I, but you know, he, he's obviously got amazing hits throughout the years, probably more in England than he does in the United States, but huge, huge fan base here too. How, how did you, did you know him or did you just seek him out for the song? Well, no, the story is I had met him a few years earlier at a Teenage Cancer Trust a charity show that he was playing in. And we, we got involved with Teenage Cancer Trust, so we were there. So I went to meet him. I knew he was a fan of my music because I'd been told that. And uh, so we had a nice chance. So that, that was pretty much it. He came to see a concert not, not long afterwards that we had done in the UK. But on the album, Andy Wright, the producer, uh, produces Simply Red. He also produces Simple Minds. And now he's producing Simple O'Sullivan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, so Andy said that, that because he would be going to visit, he was a friend of Mick's, obviously, as his producer. So he was going down there. And when he was there, one time Mick said to him, look, if Ray's got a song uh, that I could do as a duo with him, I'd love to do it. So we sent him a couple of songs. And, and he really liked the song called Let Bygones Be Bygones. So that's uh, pretty much how it worked out. He did a really nice version. A softer sounding Mick, not the kind of raucous one. You, you get from other so it was a really nice version. Another duet you did, Gilbert, that I thought was phenomenal was, um, I think it was done probably not in person. It looked like it wasn't in person, obviously. It was with uh, Gary Barlow um, on Alone Again. H how did that come together, the, the singer from Take That? I mean, that was, a, that was a really cool duet. Yeah, that was last year. I mean, I think he'd been doing a lot of these duets and stuff. Uh, and, and, and we just got asked. And, I, and we thought, you know, I have my own studio here, purpose-built studios and stuff on the ground. So we just kind of set it up. I hadn't met him before, so we spoke to each other over the phone, and that was it. He had done a quite a few. I mean, he'd done a whole list of recordings with various people. So, so we were just added to the list, and I really enjoyed it. 
I think uh, it turned out really well. You did a nice version. I did a harmony and stuff. So it was nice. I've, I've always wondered, you know, with someone that's been as fortunate as you to have songs that people know, millions of people around the world know. I mean, that's, I, I, I'll never understand what that must feel like because I've never done that. <laughs> but there's got to be, uh, when, when you're playing a song uh, like Claire or Alone Again or Get Down and you look out and you see everyone knows the words or people come up to you. I mean, what are, what do those huge hits you've had? What, what do they make you feel when you're when you're playing them or when people are talking about them? What what are those songs like in your life? I mean, they're obviously mentioned every day of, of your life. I mean, it's a, I treat them all. I mean, I, I have respect for all of them and stuff, and I perform them as best I can. I try to maintain, keep as close to the recording as possible. I don't want to be a, a ten miles faster or ten miles slower or. I don't want it to last 20 minutes if it's only three minutes. <laughs> These extended versions that you hear. I tell the story that when we were in New York last year, uh, <clears throat> late at night when we got back from the theater, I saw a Stones concert. I love the Stones, Rolling Stones, huge fan. But Mick was out there on the front singing, I can't get no satisfaction for at least 20 minutes. <laughs> so, you know, just, and, and of course, Keith and, and Ron behind, were, yeah, they were out of it. They didn't know what was going on. So that was him. Well, yeah, so I sing them as best I can. The interesting thing with Alone Again, when I'm practicing, which I'm starting to do now, to, 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 to remember all the chords and stuff, I don't sing the lyrics of Alone Again when I'm rehearsing. It's kind of too personal to do that. I sing the words of the other songs, but I, can, I don't really, it's kind of too personal to be able to just be singing it uh, in a kind of rehearsal. So, but yeah, but I, I enjoy performing and the reaction, as you say, it's, it's you get that special reaction because they're familiar with that perhaps than they are with other songs. It's a nice surprise too when you play them something they're not heard. And then when I meet people afterwards, they'll say, what was that song that you played? Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting aspect of performing. Because as I say, I, you know, people will tell you that they, they love Valonia, they love Claire, but they also find there's this particular track. We do a track on the stage concert, Miss My Love Today and stuff. And that's, that was always, never a hit, it was an album track. But it, it's, yeah, so something like that for me is special and also good because I write them. It's nice to think that, that they can affect people in certain ways. Yeah, I, I saw somewhere too, Gilbert, that you said Alone Again wasn't necessarily autobiographical, that you're able to actually write these lyrics from the perspective of others. And um, that's crazy because it sounds like it sounds like that was your, you know, a lived in experience. But I think the mark of a great songwriter and someone who has um, an enduring legacy like yourself is to be able to write a song like that and step into someone else's shoes or, or look at what's going on in the world like with um, Nothing Rhymed. I think Nothing Rhymed is still just as relevant today as it was um, when you think about the lyrics and the poverty in the world and all the awful stuff that happens. Um, I don't know. I think it's you just have you have an ability to be able to um, to step into other other people's shoes. Well, I mean, interesting, Neil Diamond sent me a letter because he recorded the, the first one along on, on an album a few years back. Sent me a lovely letter and said okay, how much he liked the song. And he found it kind of difficult for somebody so young. I was 22 when I wrote it. He felt that that was unusual for somebody to write that, that song. Like that. But here's the thing. To be a good lyricist, you don't have to experience the subject. An understanding of it gets you into it. That's the joy of lyric writing. You get into a subject matter. and it, it, So it's an understanding what you think somebody's going through in that situation. That's what I enjoy about that. So, you know, it's a serious subject. I mean, if you're writing about something, attempted suicide, writing about death, and, I mean, that's not a, you know, a happy tune. 
but it, it, it's important that, that if you're going to do that, to make sure that your understanding of it is, is correct. But I think that's what makes you a good lyricist. Nothing rhymed, interestingly when nothing rhymed is, uh, the verse in nothing rhymed was talks about starving children. In England, and maybe Europe too, that was the first time people had ever seen starving children on television. This is 1969. I mean, it was just mind-boggling to see. Nobody had ever seen that. A, a filmed report of these starving children in Biafra. And so that, you know, and that's what I was writing at the time, because I like to pick up on things that's going on there. That's how the aspect of that song turned up in, in Nothing Does Does the word um, retirement uh, resonate with you, or is it something that you you would never do because it's what you do? I'm just curious. Some people do the big farewell thing, and they say this is it or whatever. Elton. Most of the time, it's not. Well, but, I think um, Elton is doing a Sinatra, isn't he? It's every 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 time he goes out, it's the last one and stuff. I think he likes it so much. But no, I mean, if my voice uh, maintains it, my voice is in a good. I think I sound good, so I look after my voice. So that's okay. If the voice wasn't there. Perhaps I wouldn't bother, wouldn't do it, wouldn't want to do it. But here's the joy that I get, it's songwriting. The songs lead to talking to you guys, leads to performing. It leads to everything that makes the career work. Because without the songs, there'd be nothing. And so the ideas are there always for songs. And if I have the ideas for songs and I complete them, then I want to record them. And if I want to record them, then I want the record company, hopefully, to release them. I have a very good relationship with BMG. And so therefore, for this year, it's all about promoting. But by the end of this year, I'll be getting itchy fingers, wanting to get back to the piano, wanting to look forward to the next batch of songs. And already I'm, things are clicking in my head, little notes and stuff. So that's that's what I'm doing at 76. I'm the same person at 76 that I was at 16, because in the garden shed in Swindon, England, when I started to write, Dylan was a huge influence, Lennon McCartney and stuff, big influences. And so all I'm doing is sitting at the piano, doing what I'm doing now. Technology is brilliant. I mentioned the studio I have, 48-track digital studio, SSL desk, all that stuff. But I don't write up there. You know, I write in a room with a piano, albeit it might be a better piano than the one I had in the garden shed. But that's all I need. And I use cassettes. I think, you know, Diane Warren, I believe, also records on cassettes. I don't like digital devices because every time you would use them, you have to put glasses on and rewinding is terrible. With cassettes, stick in the cassette, record, do it. They don't sound great, but if it's a good song, it doesn't matter. So I love cassettes. I have difficulty getting hold of them. I have difficulty getting hold of the ghetto blasters that I use. I use the ones with the inbuilt microphones on either side. The ghetto blasters you buy now don't have the inbuilt mic. So the so ones like, I want. Hmm? From the 80s? Like you're, you're looking for like a boom box from the 80s or? Yeah, but it's the inbuilt mic that's the key. It's the inbuilt microphone on either side because I can place it on top of the piano and in the cassette, I'm off. So. The ghetto bastards you buy now are big, but they don't have those. So I, I struggle to find them. Uh, Mike, you had one last question you wanted to ask. Yeah, Gilbert. Um, so I know um, I saw recently you you said that you were a fan of Father John Misty. Any chance of a collaboration with him? And and what uh, what songs do you dig by him? I, I did the, the album. I mean, his voice is just, I, there's a kind of, you know, I don't want to say M.O.R. feel about it, but there's a nice, very untrendy kind of feel about the record. Lovely feel about it. And I really like that. I don't quite get why he calls himself Father John Misty, but I like him. But you guys, Bert Baccarat passed away yesterday. You know that. So yeah. it's, it's, that's really sad. I mean, he's a huge influence for me. Him and Hal David, along with Lennon McCartney. I mean, every other week, I have a collection of uh, Baccarat that I, that I put on to play. Because melodically, 
it's a huge influence and stuff. So he's a great loss. He's a wonderful writer. And uh, I'm going to be working on a song now that, that I've always felt was a kind of a Bacharach inspired thing. So it's kind of made me think that I'll be going there. But he was a, a fantastic melody writer, as was uh, Hal David, a great lyricist and stuff. They're huge influences for me. Huge influences. But Tom Misty, yeah, I mean, I bought the album, so it's, it, I really like him and stuff. I mean, I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of John Mayer. Oh yeah, him. my brother Eric is a huge John Mayer fan. He actually just bought two tickets to see him at the Boston Garden. He's doing his first ever acoustic tour, and he's going to be right. playing acoustic guitar and just piano, just on his own on stage. So um, yeah, we saw we saw him in Vegas live in in Vegas and stuff. And, and my and my daughters Tara and Anna Marie. Uh, we're with and when he came out, he'd had a few to drink, and he said, uh, "Any girls out there that want to get pregnant?" <laughs> <laughs> we're like, "Me, yes. yeah." My my brother would have raised his hand. Yeah, me, John. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Great guitar. Yeah, he he's got. I mean, he does the John Mayer trio, and he's got uh, he's got a couple of albums that he cut in Montana where he lives that have a bit of a Western vibe. And uh, I've, I've been a big fan of his since high school, going back 20 plus years. And I, so I went on a big concert spree last year, Gilbert, cause I hadn't been able to go to any live shows for like the better part of two years, like most people and your show. And then I saw John Mayer in Boston. Uh, I saw Paul McCartney and um, saw Echo and the Bunnymen. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're from England, but uh yeah, so hey, it's been a real joy talking to you, Gilbert and uh, Caswell. Did you want to uh, lead us out? Yeah, well, I just have one final question. Uh, so of, of all the years you've been performing, is there a concert or a moment on stage that, that still stands out in, in your life that you said, wow, this is just, you know, you looked out and something clicked and you thought this was like the greatest show you've ever done? Well, there's two, Caswell. Uh, there's two that one will be bad and one will be good. So the good one... Okay. Do you want the good one first or the bad one first? I think you better do the bad one first. Right. So the bad one first is that the Hollywood Bowl, the, the Carpenters were huge fans of me, loved Alone Again. So they were doing a concert at the Hollywood Bowl, 74, I think 74. And I was asked to appear on it as a guest because they were huge fans. I go for rehearsal, I didn't meet them. And the piano that I'm going to be playing, Richard, is it's his piano, right? But it's locked, right? Now I'm rehearsing. I, how can I rehearse if the piano is locked? Right now, my manager should have said, if you don't open the piano skies, there won't be, Gilbert won't be appearing, but it didn't happen. So I had no rehearsal with the piano. And when I went out the next night on live on the Hollywood Bowl in front of all these people, I walk out to this piano, which had all these buttons and stuff on it. I was completely lost. Well, that was a nightmare for me. And I left in a, just, I was really upset about the whole thing. That's the bad. Uh, the good is that a few years back we did a concert here in London, the Radio 2, the big radio station here, concert in the parks and with the BBC Concert Orchestra. And so along with other guests, I was part of that. So we performed for half an hour with a big orchestra and in front of 30,000 people. So that was pretty special. And what was nice about that was Claire, Gordon Mills' daughter, Claire, the song Claire is about, um, she, we invited her to the show. And uh, my daughter tells me that when I sang Claire on that night in front of all those people, she had kind of tears in her eyes. So it was a very, very special moment for her, as it was for all of us. So there you go. That's beautiful. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And uh, we had a great time. In fact, it, you, you do a lot of interviews. But we, we had done an interview on this show just before the pandemic. 
and then everything got canceled for for a year or two there so we're, we're glad that this time it's a full yeah. go and ben before we leave could we put the uh tour dates back up on the screen that would be great so we could see where where in the united states for the first leg of the tour uh is gilbert is gilbert going and um he's going to be starting off at the city winery uh in boston which is coming up on march 11th and then heading to new york march 12th and taking you all Oh, you cut out there, Caswell. So after that, he'll be in Philadelphia on March 15th. For USA. 2023. Right. Right. Well, you guys. That's really nice. Looking forward, forward to meeting you. I'm going to meet. You're going to be at any of the shows that we'll see you? Yeah, well, we'd love to say hi, uh, Gilbert. I'll be at the Boston show. And, um, we'll, Me yeah, too. We'll, come and say hello. We will. Absolutely. We will. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gilbert. Great, Caswell. Great, Mike. Nice talking to you. Take care. Take travels. All right. And Mike, thanks for uh, simulcasting with us. We will have to do this again. Yeah, and, this is uh, a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, for Caswell Cook Show, I'm Caswell Cook saying goodbye. And I'm Mike Jackman from Jackman Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at Jackman Radio. Uh, we are also on Podbean and all the major podcasters catchers like Spotify and iTunes. Thank you very much.